This is a podcast from the University of Manchester's Jodrell Bank Center for Astrophysics. For the full show and archives, visit jodcast.net. We live in hope, and we head now to a man who has probably seen more than a few satellites in the night sky in his time. Here's Professor Ian Morrison with this month's night sky. The night sky for March 2020. As darkness falls, that lovely region of the heavens contained the constellations of Orion, Taurus, Canis Major, is setting towards the western horizon. Up to the left of Orion are the two bright stars Castor and Pollux, the heads of the twins in Gemini. Moving over a little bit to the east, there's a fairly blank region of the sky, but if you look hard, it's actually the constellation of Cancer, and there is a very nice open cluster called the Beehive Cluster, or Prysope. And then a bit further towards the east, Leo is now fairly high in the southeastern sky, with its bright star Regulus. Above Leo, moving towards and beyond the zenith, you find the Plough, which of course is part of Ursa Major. And if you follow the line of the handle of the plough, and remember there's a very nice double star, the middle of the three stars of the handle, Alcor and Mizar, you can see it with binoculars quite easily. You keep on going down, and you come to a bright star rising in the east, which is called Arcturus, part of the constellation of Bootis. Well, what about the planets? Well, Jupiter. As March begins, Jupiter rises more than 90 minutes before the sun, shining at magnitude minus 2. It then follows Mars and precedes Saturn into the pre-dawn sky, all rising within the space of an hour. During the month, it brightens to magnitude minus 2.1, whilst its angular size increases from 34.2 to 36.9 arc seconds. A fairly low southeastern horizon will be needed and our views of this giant planet will be hindered, sadly, by the depth of the atmosphere through which it will be observed. Well, Saturn is also visible in the pre-dawn sky. It rises at about 0533, half an hour after Jupiter, and by its end at 0442. The magnitude remains at about plus 0.7, whilst the angular size increases slightly, from 15.5 to 16.1 arc seconds. Again, its lower elevation will limit our views of this most beautiful planet. Now, Mercury is actually lost this month in the sun's glare, so we can't really see it. However, Mars is one of the three planets brighten up the pre-dawn sky. It rises at about 4.30 a.m., and perhaps will be best seen about 6 a.m., having an elevation of about 8 degrees, as it's moved a little bit more round to the south. It will have a magnitude of plus 1.1 and a 5.5 arc-second salmon-pink disc, and lies just to the left of the lid of the teapot in Sagittarius. Moving eastwards, by month's end, it will have just moved into Capricornus, and will be seen further round towards the south before dawn, when its magnitude will have increased slightly to plus 0.8. Its angular size will have increased to 6.4 arc seconds, but really no markings could be seen with a small telescope. 
as it moves eastwards during the month with respect to Jupiter and Saturn, it passes below Jupiter on the 21st of the month and Saturn as April begins. Venus is now dominating the southwestern twilight sky and appears higher each night until the 24th when it reaches greatest elongation east from the sun and will then have an elevation at sunset of about 40 degrees, about the highest elevation it can ever achieve. It is a wonderful sight in the sky after sunset at the present time. During the month, its angular size increases from 18.8 to 25.2 arc seconds, but at the same time, its phase, which is the percentage of the disk illuminated, decreases from 63% to 48%. And so the brightness only increases slightly from about minus 4.3 to minus 4.5 magnitudes. That's actually about as bright as it ever gets. It really is a lovely thing to see in the evening sky. Well, what about the highlights? Not really that many. But as I go through using Stellarium to find out when things get interesting, I looked for Uranus and discovered in the first week and a bit of the month it's actually quite close to Venus. So there's a nice way of finding it. So on the night sky page, just search for night sky jodrell, I've produced a chart which shows where Venus is during the 1st to the 7th of the month and also Uranus, which actually moves very slightly. Uranus is forming initially a a wonderful propeller with uh, three other stars. So I think it should be quite easy to spot with binoculars. It has a magnitude of of 5.8 So do have a try. And in fact, um, and even in the second week of March, Venus is still quite close by, but slightly higher up. And again, you could use a program like Stellarium to find out its relative position compared to Uranus. So do try and have a look. With binoculars on a dark, clear night, there should be no problem in spotting it, perhaps looking slightly turquoise in colour. On March the 8th, in the late evening, the near full moon lies just below Leo. On the 18th of the month, before dawn, there are three planets and a waning crescent moon visible. So if it's clear before dawn on the 18th, looking towards the southeast, one should see a waning crescent moon down to the right of Mars, Jupiter and Saturn. That should be very nice. On the nights of March the 28th and 29th in the early evening, Venus and a thin crescent moon would be seen close to the Hyades and Pleiades clusters. So, on the 28th, Venus will be seen to the upper right of a very thin crescent moon, with both lying below the Hyades and Pleiades clusters. On the following night, the crescent moon, somewhat larger now, will lie to the upper right of the Hyades cluster. That should make a very nice photo, either of those nights. I'm certainly going to try and have a go. On March the 31st, before dawn, there's a nice grouping of Saturn, Jupiter and Mars. So again, if it's clear, do try and have a look. I usually mention something on the Moon's surface. I I once, a long time ago, did my PhD on the Moon. It's quite hard getting there every day. But uh, I do like observing and imaging the Moon. So best seen around third quarter is that rather lovely region of the Moon's surface at the northern end of Oceanus Procularum. Best seen close to third quarter 
Mons Piton is an isolated lunar mountain located in the eastern part of Mare Imbrium, southeast of the crater Plato and west of the crater Cassini. Mons Piton has a diameter of 25 kilometers and a height of 2.3 kilometers. Its height was initially determined by the length of the shadow it casts. Now Cassini is a 57-kilometer-wide crater which has been flooded with lava. The floor has been impacted many times and holds within its borders two significant craters, Cassini A and Cassini B. Finally, north of Mons Piton can be seen a rift through the Alpine mountains. Around 166 kilometers long, it has a very thin rill along its center. It's very hard to see, and I've never seen it, but I have been able to image it, and the image which shows it is in the lunar section of the night sky page under the section eight-day moon, which is the best image of the moon I've ever managed to take. So I do hope you enjoy observing the heavens this month. Thanks for that, Ian. And for our Southern Hemisphere listeners, here's Haritina Mogasamu and Samuel Leski with the night sky where you are. Kia ora from New Zealand. Hello, everyone. I'm Haritina Mogoshanu. And I'm Samuel Liski. And we have again some instructions for you as to what to do with the March night sky. Did you know that Venus is in the night sky at this time of the year? But if you're a morning owl, you can also see Mars, Jupiter and Saturn in the morning sky. They're joined by Mercury later in the month. Great objects to look at are the stars between Orion and Saturn Cross. Around 8 to 9 p.m., Sirius and Canopus reach the meridian almost at the same time, and they are quite a sight. Sirius is north of the meridian, and Canopus is to the south. They are followed closely by the Milky Way, that now looks like an octopus leg arching across the sky from behind the horizon and reaching the zenith about 10 p.m. Scorpius is not yet visible unless you wait until the early hours of the morning. The equinox falls on a Friday. Friday the 20th of March, just as people finish work, at around 4.49pm, just in time for the weekend. The Pleiades, that's the famous star cluster whose heliacal rising marks the Maori New Year in New Zealand, is now called Tetafiti and is part of the grand asterism of the bird catcher, preparing to disappear behind the sun for the next two months. The Magellanic Clouds, our neighbouring galaxies, are in a good position to observe. And in all this beautiful sky are some amazing deep sky objects to see. Here's what you need to do. Look for Venus just after sunset on the western horizon. It will be high and bright in the sky, visible with the naked eye, binoculars and through the telescopes. Next visible after Venus will be the three brightest stars in the sky. Sirius, look up to see it. It's a bit north of overhead. So it's the dog star. And then look for Canopus a bit south of overhead, and that's what we call here the cat star. Then turn south, there you will see Alpha Centauri, the third brightest star in the sky. As the sun goes down, other bright stars appear. The easiest to spot are the stars of Orion. Betelgeuse and Rigel are the first to appear, to northwest to see them. The stars from Orion's belt are about 20 degrees west from Sirius. You can measure that with your hands. Stretch your arm out in that direction. The distance from your pinky to your thumb, if you stretch these two, is about 20 degrees. From Orion's belt, keep going another 20 degrees west. This is where Aldebaran and the Hades are. Another fist west and you'll have found the Pleiades. They are now very close to the horizon. 
Other bright stars appear a bit later. You can now see the stars of Canis Major, Canis Minor, and the crosses in Vela and Carina, the False Cross and the Diamond Cross, and of course the Southern Cross Asterism in the Southern Cross constellation, the smallest of the 88 constellations in the sky. The Southern Cross is almost at the nine o'clock position in the night sky from New Zealand. It is a circumpolar asterism constellation as it rotates through the night around the South Celestial Pole. This is the extension of the South Pole in the sky. By this time, it would be dark enough to start seeing the patches of stars that make up the Milky Way, and that should happen around 9 p.m. Mid-month, by 9.30, is officially night. You should easily be able to see the Milky Way. Some of our favorite deep sky objects that we're looking at this time of the year are on the ecliptic, first starting with Taurus, we have oldies but goldies, let's call them the beginner objects, M45 in Pleiades. In binoculars is a lovely star cluster. We tried to look at it with the telescope, it didn't work that well. On the other side of the sky, in Carina, the southern Pleiades, it's the twin of the Pleiades. In Gemini, we see the two brightest stars, Castor, from New Zealand, this is the closest to the horizon, and Pollux. The constellation is also a neutron star. And a few deep sky objects, the open cluster M35, the Eskimo Nebula, the Jellyfish Nebula, and Medusa Nebula. Castor and Pollux have been associated in antiquity with the appearance of St. Elmo's fires. M44, the Beehive Cluster. This is a good object for binoculars and not so great on telescopes because it's so big. On the opposite part of the sky, we will look at the Southern Beehive. In Leo, we have the Leo Triplet, M66, M65 and NGC 3628. These are galaxies. There's also a star, Wolf 359, which is one of the nearest stars to Earth at 7.8 light years distance from us. And it's a red dwarf of magnitude 13.5, so it probably would be very hard to see in any telescopes. But Wolf 359, it's the solar system where the forces of the United Federation of Planets and the Bohr Collective had the most destructive battle in the history of the Federation in 2367. So we thought we'd mention it here. <laughs> Other Messier objects in Leo are M95, M96 and M105. Fabulous galaxies to look at. Moving along the Milky Way, M42 and Orion, great object no matter when, one of the first deep sky objects to be visible just after sunset. And Canis Major is M41, just underneath the big dog. And Puppets M46 is a beautiful open cluster that has a planetary nebula in the middle of it. And M68, a beautiful globular cluster in Hydra. And then all the beautiful objects of Vela and Carina and Centaurus and everything else on the South Celestial region. So we've been doing a lot of observing in March and we have quite a long list. But here are some of the objects that we looked at, especially the ones in, in the last couple of weeks. We observed Omega Centauri, the largest globular cluster in the night sky in Centaurus. Also, NGC 4976, an elliptical galaxy, just below in Lupus, we looked at a planetary nebula, the tiny little IC4406, we'll need a big telescope for that one. Then we saw NGC 5460, a, an open cluster in Centaurus, and then NGC 5286, a globular cluster, also in Centaurus. It's quite a big one, that one. The beautiful NGC 3918, the blue planetary nebula. 
That's then, gorgeous. That is gorgeous. It's a lovely color to really see that blue. And then in Karina, NGC 3532, an open cluster, and of course the dual box cluster, NGC 4755, just outside of the Southern Cross. And then we've got the gem cluster, NGC 3293, which is a lovely open cluster, not far from Eta Carina Nebula. And of course we've got Eta Carina Nebula. Uh, we have Alpha Centauri, the beautiful double star, and one of our closest neighbours, of course. And then we've got NGC 3114, a lovely open cluster in Carina, NGC 2867, a tiny little planetary nebula in Carina, NGC 4833, a pretty dim but very large globular cluster in Muska. We have another tiny little planetary nebula in Carina called Ray 16-41. You'll really have to work hard to find that one. And NGC 4372 is the other globular cluster in Muska, which is quite a bit harder to see. It has a very low surface brightness. NGC 2019 is a globular cluster in Mensa. And another one, NGC 2100, is a globular cluster in Dorado. Now these are all nicely positioned in the Large Magellanic Cloud. And as you browse around the Large Magellanic Cloud, starting with the Tarantula Nebula, which is NGC 2070, you will see a ton of other clusters and globular clusters and nebula, including NGC 2109, 2096, 2098, 1910, 1917, Eight one eight five five and one eight five zero and a whole lot more. And of Take course, your time and have a good look round. And of course, these are objects that we've been looking at in, in the last couple of weeks with our telescope. What kind of telescopes do we have? We've got a sixteen-inch reflector and an eight-inch reflector. So you can see all these in such telescopes easily. Especially, well, you really need the sixteen-inch for a lot of the ones that we've mentioned today. But it was quite a lot of fun. It was, yeah. So we hope you have a clear sky for March and from here from New Zealand. Sam Whiskey. And Haditina Mogoshano wish you all the best and clear, and clear skies. skies.